All right, today we have another of our interviews from G3. And so this will be some fun stuff that we have for you. We will have some surprise guests pop in at the booth and so take over someone else's interview. It was a great time. So we will have some discussions with a pastor who was formerly an atheist that we met there. We're going to talk to some folks from CARM and a special podcast that we will start off with to start our interviews from G3. Hope you guys enjoy this. Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is the ministry of Striving for Eternity in the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. All right, welcome to the Rap Report. I am your host, Andrew Rappaport. Today we have some interviews, as I said, and the first one up is the guys from Theology Driven. They drove themselves over to our booth at G3. I'm just going to say, listen closely, because the long, heated debate that I've had with those guys, regular listeners, you know, we like to bust on these guys, love them, they got a great podcast. My running joke is that they actually are not driving while podcasting, and the evidence is revealed. Yes, yes, they accidentally revealed the evidence that proves in my mind that I'm right that they're not recording while driving. Give a listen, and you tell me if you agree with me. Here's the interview with the guys from Theology Driven. All right, so here we're at G3, and some guys drove in. They just kind of drove their way to the booth here. So welcome to Theology Driven. A weekly mobile podcast in which we explore the open road of life through a biblical lens. (laughs) Without Kevin. I just was amazed that you guys got it right for once. (laughs) Well, we don't typically mess it up. It's usually just James that messes it up, and Kevin has to edit it out. Although, to be fair, I always delete the tracks that I mess up so that Kevin is forced to re-record. That's how I get away with sounding smarter. Although, Kevin doesn't actually Wait, 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 wait. You think you sound smarter on your podcast? Then I could. Not oh, necessarily okay. not necessarily in general, but like as opposed to how I could sound, yes. But there was a time when Kevin used to edit out the volume so that we there were less spaces in between uh, oh, I our used to pauses. do that too sometimes. So mm-hmm. it sounded like we were really fast, like Al Mohler, like, hey, 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 hey. Well, but, see, I, I actually, so I used to be really fast, um, being from Jersey. Mm-hmm. When I pastored at a Chinese church, I didn't quite realize I had one of the ladies, like after I was probably like third or fourth, maybe fifth message, and she says, Pastor Andrew, can you do me a favor? I said, sure, what's that? She goes, could you slow down? I have to translate. <laughs> oh, wow. 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 And I suddenly realized, oh, yeah, I speak like a mile a minute. It's and like, that's probably a tough language. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. a really so brutal she, language. So she was taking my English and having to translate sure. it in her head to Chinese. Mm. Actually, it's even worse. So Chinese, my, my uh, we, we speak Cantonese is what my wife would uh, speak. Okay, yeah. And when the church would speak. And so we had a lot of Cantonese speakers. So Cantonese is even harder than Mandarin. Yeah, I've heard. Mm, Mandarin yeah. has uh, five tones where Cantonese has nine. So <clears throat> basically at the beginning, middle, and end of a word, it can go up, it can go down, or it can stay the same. So that tone is a different <clears throat> a different word. So when I was trying to impress my future mother-in-law, I was trying to ask if she had a good breakfast, which literally would be translated early meal, Mm-hmm. Jotan. Instead, I said Jotan, 
You guys picked up the difference, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah asked I'm her a she, Cantonese scholar, actually. I asked her if she had a good abortion. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Way to impress the future mother. Yeah, she I just went, her jaw hit the ground, and I'm like, I'm tapping my, my future wife at the time. I'm like, what did I say? What did I say? She's like, you don't want to know. You just don't want to know. What did I say? <laughs> to be fair, though, I think there's got to be a huge distinction between abortion and breakfast in that language. Yeah, I, I, I asked her literally be. for early yeah. pregnancy. Uh, <laughs> so, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's how different the language is. And so, yeah, I sometimes, when I try to order at a restaurant, because of my accent, I get funny looks, and I'm going, I don't know what I just asked for. <laughs> just don't go for brunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah, food, I don't know how to say it in English. So. Yeah, you're the Americans they write newspapers about, Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. And they're the guys from Jersey <laughs> that uh, we want to avoid. So They're not the figureheads of America, just so it, we're all clear. <laughs> hey, hey, we are the figureheads. Have you, have you not seen every mafia movie? They're all from Jersey. Goodfellas? Probably from Jersey. Probably. Okay, so I, I, look, I've only witnessed to Ray Liotta. I didn't actually. I actually watched the movie only because someone asked me if I knew how I was, who I was, I was doing open air evangelism, and this woman said, "Do you know who that was that you were preaching to?" And I said, "No." She's like, "That's Ray Liotta." I said, "Okay, who's that?" She's oh, really? like, "You've never seen Goodfellas?" I'm like, "No." So I actually watched it to see that. Oh wow! She actually was in mm. the restaurant with him, sitting next to him, and they were discussing my preaching in the restaurant. Three blocks away. Wow. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> and so she came out to, like, thinking she'd encourage me that they were discussing mm-hmm. what I was preaching about. And uh, then he walked up, and I had no clue. And so. Was he a nice guy? I don't know. He, we, I mean, he just, there was a, I, I just remember him coming, and a crowd formed, and, um, you know, he, he stood there for a good couple minutes, and then he walked off. Wow, no heckling or anything? That's good. At least no. he didn't heckle. I was I yeah. was gonna try to pull because I saw the crowd and I was gonna try to pull one of them in as a heckler if I would have known. I mean, I, I've preached to the the folks the cast from Jersey Shore. Oh really? Oh, wow. Really, really intelligent people they are. I, I gotta tell you. I mean, the one time I'm standing huh. on the box and um, as as they're walking by, um, I'm, I'm kind of noticing uh, something that obviously one of their actors or actresses, whatever you call it, reality star. Uh, didn't notice and uh, so you could tell when they come because they have these huge cameras I mean like two in front two in back and we'd always loved preaching there because you'd always have a crowd and they'd always try to get us on camera we had this unwritten rule whoever was up on the box when they came you're not getting off for until your voice gives out because they hmm. want to, you to sign off that you will you know that they could use that footage and we're just using them to build a huge crowd we'd have hundreds of people because everyone's like And we'd just be we'd be preaching like nonstop. So I, I literally I saw them coming, and at this point it was toward the end of the season. They kind of were used to us, yeah, and knew they already knew I wasn't going to give them permission, and so they weren't looking to stop. So I just went, "Look, there's proof of evolution. She has a tail." And sure enough, <laughs> out of her pants is toilet paper from wherever she went to the bathroom, <laughs> and, and it's all the way down. And she <laughs> she looks and she like smacks her friend. You didn't warn me. This is on film. They're just going like, this will make great footage. No one told her. <laughs> she, oh, she man. Was like, so she stopped, and sure enough, I grabbed the crowd for a little while. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> hey, when you're an open-air evangelist, you do things to keep a crowd, to get a crowd, and mm-hmm. she, it looked like she had a tail. I mean, evolution must be true there. 
<laughs> so, so how long have you been doing uh, open air evangelism? I've been doing open air as far as, far back as I can date mm-hmm. uh, is 94, 95. And oh, the only wow. reason I can date that far back is at my church, we had a policy that if you're in a ministry or doing something in ministry, mm-hmm. you had to have a philosophy of ministry that was submitted to a church. And so I had been doing the open air and my church said, hey, you've been doing this a while. You're a member of our church. We want you to write a philosophy of ministry. So mm. 94 is when I wrote the philosophy of ministry. So I was probably doing it soon, earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that I – the first time I could kind of say that I was doing open air was back in the late 80s. But mm. it wasn't really planned. I knew nothing about open air. I just – I was at college and talking to two people. Mm-hmm. And some others came in. And before I knew it, I ended up having 30 people. And then, you know, I was raising my voice to be heard, and I have a voice that could get loud. And, you no know, but I, way. I, yeah. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah, yeah. So, You've been open-air preaching since I was four years old. Ouch. Wow. You know, I'm just talking with he's Les just, Lanfear, and, and we're, we were talking about the fact that you know, I made a Fonzie reference, and he didn't get it. Who's Fonzie? Yeah, thanks. You don't know what? So Happy wait, Days? Come on, man. No, no, yeah, yeah, no, I know Happy Days. I know Happy Days. Yeah, yeah, so, so Fonzie's the guy. Is he the guy that jumped the shark? Yeah, in his motorcycle. He's the one with the slick hair and the leather jacket. No, he jumped the hey. shark in. He jumped the shark in he, jets and skis. Yeah, you don't jump a shark in uh, in a motorcycle. He, well, he, he jumps other in things tank. in motorcycles. Yeah, unless it's I'll in a tank. A different one. Was the shark in the tank? Then you could do that. Science. Yeah. He did a bunch of stunts. But he couldn't say that he was wrong. Kind of like a lot of people online that say they're Christian, huh? Anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so speaking of that, so we're, we're here at the conference. How, how, what are you excited for to see in this conference this week? Well, see, I'm, I have a booth, so I'm going to be sitting here at this booth giving away books. You've already given away books to us. Yeah, but none of my books. That was a John MacArthur book. That that was totally different. But still, thank you. Yeah. So no, actually, I, I've 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 come to G three. This will be my third year. And in three years so far, do you know how many talks I've I've listened to? Probably one. I know you were there for Justin Peters last year. Yeah, and so the two that Justin Peters, when he was speaking, I was there listening to those because I was helping, you know, set up and helping him with stuff. So if we don't count those two, one. You're right. Is it because you're always stuck in the booth? I'm just, yeah, I'm... Wow. You know, my board, they're like slave masters. It's like, you know, they're in there listening, and I'm out here working. They're like, get to work, man, get to work. Who are these guys? We need to have a conversation, I think. We need to... They're here. They're actually, they'll be here. We'll scold them. Yeah, a couple of them will be here, I should say. I'm like, do you know who we are? And he'll he'll be like, no. And I'm like, I figured that. But let me tell you anyways (laughs) that you're wrong. I'll be back in this car. I'm going to point out one of the board members. I I would love for you to do that. Okay. Because I'd love to see when he says, do you you know who I am? And you're going to go, no, but I'll give you a piece of my mind. And he'll be like, really? Let me choke you unconscious. (laughs) Oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. He's a black belt karate and jiu-jitsu. It's a jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah, you don't mess with jiu-jitsu. Yeah, he's... He, he, so he, he and I rolled once, and his daughter decided to. She's like, "Hey, Dad, when you roll with, with Mr. Rapport, can can you you know, do a smother choke?" And, and, and Frank's a pretty big guy, so he's got a lot of weight to help with the smother. That's just a painful choke. It's, it basically what it does it pushes all the air out of your lungs, and when you try to breathe in, there's nothing. You breathe in, and it just burns, and you're just like, "Okay." Oh, when I was in the Navy, we had to do uh, we had to do uh, vessel board training, um, and part of that training 
you you're required you're required to to be choked out as a part of the training. Anytime you do something like whether it be holding a taser or holding pepper spray, you're supposed to experience that on yourself so you know what it's like. So we partnered up and we were to choke each other out. So I choked out my partner and you know they're out for like eight seconds, ten seconds, and they're drooling everywhere. It's awful. And so my partner goes to to uh, choke me out, and he's a smaller guy than I am, so he has a tough time. He can't do it. I'm like, ah, oh, this is hurting. This is hurting. And the instructor was a former Marine, retired, with biceps the size of the Eiffel Tower, just huge. And this guy comes over to me and he says, I have never not choked somebody out. Are you ready? And I was like, I guess. Yeah, sure. So he starts squeezing really tight. I'm like, it's not working. And I just black out. And it felt like I was out for probably like eight hours. I felt like I had an eight-hour nap. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's the difference. You won't be – like the drooling like, – when you, when you do it, we had a, a guy who literally – I thought he was joking. We, one of the girls was demonstrating a, a choke. And – and he was snoring. Yeah. <laughs> he went out. He, yeah. he went completely out. Yeah. We thought he was just joking. We thought just, he just you just cut off his, yeah, you just yeah. cut off the circulation he and he's out. out. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay. It's not what you yeah. thought it would look like. Yeah, it's, it was so, pretty awesome. Well, I knew. So we're making up for the fact that we didn't record at the Bible Museum. Yeah. We didn't. We I know. Didn't. Sad day. Uh, we You're, had you some know, technical so difficulties. You, so. James, need to listen to your wife. <clears throat> I'm just saying. Yeah, we had an entire lunch, and Stacy's like, "We need to be recording right now." We had an entire conversation. Yes, I know where we, but did we not realize that that Andrew is a Sabbatarian, but just doesn't want to call himself that? That that is true. You know, I mean, I, I will say, like, I had a very different understanding of the way you were expressing it. And I think uh, probably some of that was we had uh, like a different understanding of terms, and then I, we hashed that out, and that was uh, that was actually very helpful. Well, that was the answer because I, I, I approach things a little differently, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm, and that's why it's like you guys thought I was dispensational. You you address the typical dispensational view, mm-hmm. and you found out that I don't really fit into camps too well. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm Rapportian. If you want to know what that is, you have to ask me. It's uh, Rapportianism. It's you know what Rapport believes. Or is that <laughs> is that what the ring's for? Yeah, the R and the ring. That? Yeah. yeah. Actually, the sad thing was, so I got this ring. My father got it for me when I was eighteen, and I, mm-hmm. I got the R so I could give it to my son when he turns eighteen. Hmm. My son's like, I don't like rings. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it, I keep it. It's a okay. yeah. It must be a younger generation thing. I'm not a big fan of rings either. I only wear, I only wear my wedding. Do, my you wedding see ring. how he just he just call himself younger that way? That was that subtle slam of. Yeah, you're old, Andrew. That's the hey, second well, old reference he just made. He does so that, that a lot. Though, that so. one was accidental. To be fair, that was an accidental old remark. I didn't mean it. You know, I'm going to believe. Old. Old. I'm going to believe it's accidental because I don't think he's smart enough to actually. It make was it accidental. <laughs> and I'm not smart. I don't enough. know, but I, I actually like rings. Uh, the only reason I don't wear them because they're super flashy, and sometimes I feel very prideful wearing some of them. So, yeah. hint, hint. Well, I'm just so, <laughs> so the thing yeah. is, so, so the, the thing is, so like this, these two both came from my father. This is my father's. Oh, okay. um, my mother gave it to him at his first wedding anniversary. So I, I have I have some jewelry that I got that I wear because it's sentimental. Mm-hmm. Um, when my father dies, people are really going to have an issue with the ring that I get when he dies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's people. Is, it is kind of this thing like feel, you know, when you're in ministry, mm-hmm. people have this expectation, and then I have. a 
kind of well-to-do family, and I was, you know, my father sold his Rolex that he was going to give me when he passed away so he could buy a boat. And so then, I guess to make up for it, he bought me a, a Rolex. So I have mm. a Rolex. And it's like, I, I, my wife is like, are you going to wear that to the, you're going to a church? And you're going to ask for money and you're wearing a Rolex. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess that doesn't quite work well. It's true. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm pulling up in a, in a Mercedes-Benz that my brother gave me. So wow. it's like, you know, I really, you know, I, I really am in the wrong, I should, I should be working with, uh, you know, Joel Steen or someone, because I, I guess, you know. Yeah, Crypto it, Dollars Jet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're playing over there, but it sounds good. Sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to walk around and see. So, so, so what, what are the things that you're most interested in? Oh wait, you're the thing that you guys were most interested in G three was coming to the Striving Fraternity booth, right? Absolutely. 100%. So you can hear, be here to record on the rap report because your recording at the Bible Museum did not work out so well. Now, yeah. Here's the thing. Let's get the record straight. You guys recorded on your way to the. Museum of the Bible, correct? That's correct. Correct. And the car noise was so loud that it just couldn't... Yeah, it wasn't salvageable, so we had to trash it. Okay. I, I really mm-hmm. appreciate you guys admitting that uh, you use a soundboard f- for all the other times. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because the one time you no, actually tried to do it no, in a car, that's uh, you no, couldn't no, use the audio. It was a different car. So it was, it's funny. We actually used Kevin. Kevin actually used his wife's car to drive up there. And I guess we didn't realize how we've never record we've never recorded in her car before, and it was bad. So well, that's why we don't record in my car because we tried that early on, True. and it was noticeable. True. So Kevin, uh, Kevin's got I, a nice. I think for the record, nice car. I think for the record, I, so far, I think I have no video evidence. I just I all I saw was something and you will that not could, get video evidence. Yeah. And so as far as I know, my I, my theory is still being held that you guys are not actually driving well, when you're doing theology. Hey, well, you know you, you are you're just using a soundboard. You, you can't you can't see logic either, and and it exists. So yeah, I'm with you. Just, you know, I, I look at it this way. An, Andrew Andrew just made a really good point. There's the theory of evolution, and mm. then there's the theory that we're not actually driving. <laughs> That's really helpful. Yeah, I think that's really good. That's really helpful. I'm glad to see, and you heard it here first on the rap report that Andrew is in the same camp. I would love to see what you would do if you did an intro for the rap report. I would totally do it if you wanted me to. I'd be like, welcome to the rap report. But obviously, it would sound. You got to work on that stutter. It sound cool. Yeah, I know. I can't do the preacher stutter, man. I've tried. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Where the preacher gets something, he goes. And he said, and he's like really, really excited, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can't do that. I guess I've never seen that. Sorry, it happens all the time. It's a Baptist thing. It, it's, you probably understand. A, it's probably a Southern Baptist thing. Uh, I don't know. I've no. been to a lot of Southern Baptist churches. I have not not Southern Baptist, just a Southern Baptist. No. Two, two. Oh, uh, you might. Yeah, you, you might be accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up north, you don't get yeah. that. No, I get it. In the yeah. South, and they're Baptist. I'm not yeah. from the South, though, so that doesn't offend me. Yeah, I'm from the West. I'm from the left coast. <laughs> yeah, the far left. Yeah, the far left ghost. Yeah. I'm not proud of it, but it's true. It is what it is, so. Do you resemble that remark? That I do. That's the question. Okay. So you're I a leftist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I resemble it. So what are you, you guys looking that. forward to? G3. Um, well, this Interrupting is actually, James. This is actually my first time coming to G3. Uh, last, time, last year I tried to come, but I got the flu. And everybody was okay with me coming because I was recovering, but my pastor said, you're not allowed to come, and then he came back with the flu. Um, it is so, so true. <laughs> yes, that happened, I remember, because we were like, come on, man. He's like, no, I can't get, I can't get sick. Yeah. <laughs> and well, then he got sick. So, <clears throat> Kevin, do you, do you guys hear that? Kevin had told me, I think at the Museum and Bible, I think is when I heard it, when uh, 
when he said he, the first the first time we met here at G three? Did he tell it? Sure. Yeah. We, okay, uh, I want to hear what he told you guys. That may be more entertaining. <laughs> basically, uh, he went up to go see Justin Peters, and he asked some random dude, haggard-looking guy, older man, uh, <laughs> to take a photo of him. And uh, him and Justin, and it turns out that was Andrew Rappaport. And Andrew remembered meeting Kevin because you didn't know who Kevin was, but you no. re- you re- you recognize his face. And then later on, when they met, Andrew's like, "Well, no, we've met before." And Kevin's like, "When?" And he's like, "I took your photo of you and Justin Peters when you cast me aside like some servant boy." Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah it's pretty well, he, he said he goes, "I, I thought that you were just so- no." He actually he recognized me because he but not right away. uh Oh. Speaking of, there's what? trouble. There's trouble. So, uh, there's trouble over here. Yeah, we're, we we came in here and realized that, you know, we're we're in a booth next to one of the greatest radio voice like ever. Uh, why don't Pastor I just give? You, I'm just, it, let me I mean, just give seriously. him. Uh, let me just give him my seat real quick. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I, I don't even want my boy to contribute. Just let him come on. Oh, I was going to grab him later. What am I doing? Oh, oh, I don't know. We're just recording. I'm going to kick out over everything. Is what we're, I'm going to do. We're just, we're, at, we're just. Uh, do you guys, you know these guys from Theology Driven? Podcast? I love Theology Driven. They are a great podcast. You guys listen to his, right? Just yes. okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. You kind of have to listen to podcasts that are better, so that you know. Scott said that he had. Ah. You have to listen to podcasts that are better because that's how Scott thinks he learns to get better. Well, my my he, podcast was really only average until I got my wife on, and and then it, we stepped up a level once Becky got on too. So, <laughs> so <clears throat> you obviously enjoy embarrassing your wife, don't you? As, as I do, um, you know that's the reason my wife doesn't like traveling with me. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so, true story. We got the guys from Carm on the side over here for us. so they're gonna they'll, they'll laugh at this and they've already heard this story probably so we're we're at we're at a conference in California. Matt Slick is sitting there and he's already laughing he already knows the story. We're in California. They had just passed same sex marriage at this point. And he's, he brings his wife and he wants his, everyone to recognize his wife. He's like, come on honey, raise your hand. Raise your hand so everyone can see you. And I know she's not gonna raise her hand because I know her. So I proudly lift my hand up really high. <laughs> it's probably the only time I've seen Metzlick turn completely red. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, not you, honey. And he's like, wait, that's legal in this state now, though, right? <laughs> you know, so, it only occurred to me that Christian Apologetic Research Ministry booth next to yours is CARM. It only just occurred to me that this is CARM. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, so used to calling it CARM, I don't even think about what it stands for anymore. So. <laughs> they should go to text. Yeah, that's right. I know the text. That's right. That's that's because nobody actually knows what what stands for. That's right. Either. It's just well, what. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. It's you know they should do like KFC and you know just change it from Kentucky Fried Chicken to KFC. They should just change it permanently to CARM because. He's wearing it now. Well, <laughs> no, he's. I was trying to improve his booth over there. I kept putting the striving fraternity. <laughs> well, who knows what kind Down of uh, uh, you know conspiracy theories would come out of that? Because as soon as KFC did that, people assumed that they couldn't legally call it chicken, and they were changing the. No, actually, to, there is. People there, said it all. The no, time. no, actually, there, there's Fact. a there, there's a real story of why they changed their name. So, I had an attorney who told me that what ended up. <clears throat> so here's the backdrop. <clears throat> couple buys a house to go in the attic and 
obviously a previous owner never went in the attic. There's stuff from previous owners up in the attic. And they're going through stuff where they found a box of recipes. And one of them was some fried chicken. And they were like, wow, this tastes an awful lot like the Colonel's Secret Recipe. So they sent it in to Kentucky Fried Chicken asking, hey, is this the Colonel's Secret Recipe? The response was a lawsuit. And they went, whoops. Well, it turns out Mm. they bought a house with the original recipe. And so the attorney said, the judge judged that they owned the original recipe. Huh. Oh, wow. And therefore, now all of a sudden they were in for a big reverse suit. And so the settlement was they had to change their name. And so I think the original, there's some of the, there's like some that were not part of the uh, certain part of the franchise that can keep the name, but the others became KFC. So if you see it, a Kentucky it, Fried Chicken, it's actually separate from KFC. It's, yeah, it's, I think that my understanding is that's supposed to be Interesting. separate. Interesting. Okay. It's supposed to be like the, there, there's like a certain ones that were the original that. And so you're always you, told that the reason why they did that was because they were trying to avoid the impression of eating really fatty food that was called Kentucky Fried Chicken, so they just abbreviated it to KFC. That's what I that's who, what I keep hearing. Who cares? That's the best part I of know, what it's it. the fried part. That's why I go that's there. Why you eat that. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't care if it's chicken in it. I want the fried. Yeah, that's what I'm there for. Even if it's dog, fried dog is good. Yeah. <laughs> Scott didn't like that part. <laughs> Scott, don't, don't, go, don't go to Korea. We, we had someone that... We, I don't plan on it. Yeah. We, we, we knew someone that they, uh, they were teaching. They went to Korea for a year. And um, they thought while they are in Korea for a year, they should get a pet. And they went into a store. And um, they decided, oh, look at that cute little puppy. I'll, they walked to the store. I'll take that one. And they said, okay. They took the dog, went in the back, came back out in a little bit, and gave him a bag. And that was the dog. <laughs> they suddenly realized this was not a pet store. It was a butcher shop. <laughs> Welcome to Korea. <laughs> Poor woman was horrified because she picked it out because it was so cute. <laughs> so, so what's I was going to give my, my seat back to Scott, but he just... Yeah, Scott uh, ran off. Yeah, he just <laughs> scared him off. So, uh, so you do listen to Theology Driven. I do. I love the concept behind it of driving around and talking theology. Oh, you, you're going to need to listen. You hit a sore spot right there. You're going to need to listen because we, we just proved they're not driving around for sure. And and, 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 and These wait, are all speculations wait, wait. on the, the look, part. Listen, listen, Disclaimer. For folks listening, the look on, on your face and Scott's face, okay, when when because I, I just asked them, I'm like, I, they, they said they were recording this video, this audio on the way to the museum of the Bible where we were meeting. Yes. And, they, and I said, so and you couldn't use it? No, the sound quality was so bad we couldn't use any of it. And yet their podcasts sound really clear. So that proves different, when they were car. If they say it's a different car, but clearly that proves that it's a soundboard. Yeah. It's a soundboard. As I yeah. as I've played, you know I'm what? Like, we're gonna have to have you down. Just for an episode and drive you around. That's what the Museum of the Bible you, trip was supposed to be. And and you gonna, guys left early. Well, we didn't. You, you hey, ditched it. Well, you know, I, I blame that solely on Kevin. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, when, the years that I was in radio, which I did radio for twenty-something uh, years, uh, when I was a program director at one point, I wanted to do a program, either the early morning drive or the drive at five where the hosts are actually driving around. So they're experiencing traffic with everybody else who's driving with them. But at the time, the technology just wasn't there to be able to do that affordably. You could not do that in Jersey. Because, I mean, you can't (laughs) use that... This Kansas. Yeah, you can't use that kind of language on the radio. You know? (laughs) I hear you. I mean, it's just a different kind of traffic we have. You know, people sit there, it's like... 
you you go through the the law and the gospel, and you're sitting there, and you ask, "Have you ever been angry?" And they say, "No." Clearly, you've never driven in New Jersey. <laughs> you've well, never. So these people almost died a few times. I mean, there's been some people that that angrily cut us off, or like a, a truck that comes wheels. out of nowhere. Yeah. There was one time we actually went to go pick up some uh, some long two by fours, and um, and we were in my car actually, and so I'm in a Honda Civic. So what I do is I lay the back seats down and I run it through the trunk and it goes all the way up to the front where the steering wheel's at. And so I was trying to make a U-turn while we're sitting recording and all the two-by-fours, there's probably about like eight of them stacked up high, they shift and jam my wheel stuck in the U-turn. So I'm like turning right into the media. And Kevin's like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, stop pushing. Grab on the boards. Somebody <laughs> see, see, get these he, boards. He's telling that story, but he actually wasn't driving. Well, that, that's, what wasn't, you, that's what so, you keep so, saying, yeah. So on, on the rap report, I actually, they said, look, can you make the, you know, can you, look, I'm lowering the window. I showed with my soundboard that I was able to do all those same things. <laughs> I even, I could add an ambulance. I, I added the rain. See, he I might have actually been recording in his car when I do that. We don't have video report or video uh, evidence that he was using a soundboard. That's uh, true. That's true. So, uh, reverse. Uh, so yes. I, that's like reverse I mean, argument. We will, we will add in, I will do the next time, I, I'll put some crickets next time you're talking something smart. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be the only one. Kevin's done that already, so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I love the concept driving around talking theology. Yeah. It's uh, it kind of adds to the dynamic of you know Deuteronomy six, uh, wherever you are, where where you go by the way, whether you sit or whether you rise, uh, uh, you continue to remember these uh, these things that I have written to my people, and so they're continuing to talk about those theological things even in car rides. So yeah, uh, in, well, encouraging how, the conversations okay. all the more. That's sort of what that verse was supposed to be. I, I remember a rabbi was in a rabbi's house. He was trying to convert me back to, to Judaism, and we were talking about that passage. Yeah, and we we're exegeting the passage, and I'm trying to emphasize to him that the importance of that passage, the command, is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Yeah, he's trying to convince me that the command is to put th- that passage. On, on your, your doorposts door right. and on your wrists and between your eyes. Yes. And, and that's where they, they actually take that and right. they'll put it on a door. It's called a mezuzah. And they'll put it in a thing called a phylactery, a little box that they tie to their hands and they tie to the front lids of their eyes. Right. And they, they take that literal and they say, no, that's the command. And we're, I'm like, yeah, you're, you're just really not getting what this text is right. saying here. <laughs> That we have uh, a family in our church that moved into a house, and we could tell that the previous family were Jewish because of what they had in the doorpost. Yes. So, yeah. yeah I, well, I walked into a home. Uh, I remember when I was, I was looking to buy a home, and I walked in, and I immediately said, "Orthodox Jew lives here." And the person was like, "How did you know that?" Because uh, I mean, many Jews, even even the more liberal ones, will have the mezuzah. Yeah. But they have all the light switches have the thing that that's set for sunset and sun sunrise. Uh-huh. So on the Sabbath, they don't have to turn the light on and off. It's automatic. Therefore, if they're not actually pushing the switch... It's not work. It's not... Well, mm. it's it's not about the work. This is how a lot of people don't understand. It's not about the work. It's about creating a fire. Turning the light on is a spark, and that's uh, like lighting a fire. Okay. I'm like, but wait, you're programming something else to do to create the fire. Right. So you're still doing it. Right, right. <laughs> Your bond servant is a computer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember once I had, a, I had an Orthodox uh, guy who lived in my neighborhood, and he, he wanted to watch the, the uh, one of the test matches. He asked if I could come over and turn his TV on for him because he couldn't do it. He forgot to leave it on. <laughs> That's so, cheating. Well, yeah. 
Well, but, Andrew, but, I do got to get going. Uh, they're yeah. about to start up over there, so, but uh, right. I definitely appreciate you. you so you need me to on. listen to your wife more. Yes, I 100% agree. Who's right. nodding? Who is nodding? <laughs> yes. We we had a great discussion on the Sabbath, and she was telling him, "You should be recording this. You should be recording this." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." And then he, after we get done, he goes, "I should have been recording this." <laughs> Hence, my better half. So yeah, but we're Andrew, gonna get going too. Right. Thank yep. you. Good having you guys on. Thank you so much. Good All right, so that was theology driven, and what we got for you now is the great guy from Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, Luke Wayne. He's one of the researchers over with CARM, and so we're going to talk to him a tad bit about King James Onlyism. Uh, but before we do, want to just give you guys a heads up and let you know to be checking out the other podcasts that we have on the Christian Podcast Community. We have Theology Gals, which is one of the newest additions. They've been recording for a while, but they've joined the community. And starting up, well, this week we hope, he's just waiting for his intro music, is Justin Peters. You can start subscribing to his podcast called Didache. You can do it one or two ways, search for Didache, and you go, wait a minute, I have no idea how to spell that. That's okay. Just type in Justin Peters, and it's basically going to be the one that has his logo with the tree in it. It's going to be the one that says Didache. So just subscribe to that so when he starts recording, you have that. We have Apologetics Live, which is Matt Slick and I. We do a live show every Thursday night, 8 o'clock. And you can go to apologeticslive.com to join that, to ask your theological or apologetic questions. We have another one that's going to be starting up soon for you to check out called So You Want to Be a Podcaster. Colleen Sharp, who is the administrator of the Christian podcast community, she and I will be helping folks learn how to be better podcasters. So check that out as well. To remind you, because not everyone got the message, if you're looking for those Monday through Friday two-minute rap reports, they're on a new feed. You go to Rap Report Daily, and that's where you're going to get those. We got a lot of new podcasts that are waiting to come on. We got some that have already been approved, and we are waiting to send out applications to about a well, we're going to send them to about a dozen people, but not all of them will be approved. And so those that will be approved, you're going to start seeing them pop up probably in February. So please check out the Christian Podcast Community. You want to look at all of our podcasts, you can go to christianpodcastcommunity.org. And now on to our interview with Luke Wayne. So here we are at G3 with uh, Luke Wayne from CARM, Christian Apologetics Research Ministry. Uh, folks that are listening to the RAP Report, you're familiar with that. Uh, Matt and I do a regular, uh, Matt Slick is, is the founder of CARM. He does, a, we and I do a regular Apologetics Live podcast and show every Thursday night. So Luke, you're one of the researchers for CARM. Yes. And we recently on our Apologetics Live, we're talking about a lot of the work you just came out with recently, a whole slew of stuff on King James King James Version only. Yes, yes. Uh, so, so people in that movement really love you now, don't they? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably their favorite person. I get fan mail every day. Uh, <laughs> so, 
here, here's a question I have. What do you? Because you've been studying this for a while. So what do you, what do you think is the big issue? Why is it you think people get so hung up on something like King James only? Um, it's not. King James only is is just the one of the most recent uh, manifestations of a long history of what I call sacred translationism, um, which is a translation gets rendered in a language, it becomes really popular. Generations later, it's now the tradition. Everybody looks to it. It, it has a sacred sound to it. That old timey feel make, that you don't speak anymore now sounds like well, that's the spiritual language, and people cling to that. It was true with the the. Septuagint and the, the Greek-speaking Christians in the early church. The Vulgate, when I go to Bulgaria, it's true of the old church Slavonic there. Uh, the Amish hold to the Martin Luther ger- old German translation. It's all over the place. King James onlyism is just our modern experience of that same sacred translationism that's just a human impulse to grab onto something traditional and spiritualize it. I'm, I'm laughing because as you're saying this, I'm just thinking, and I'm sure you've, you've probably been in a church where you've seen this, where someone speaks in modern vocabulary, all of a sudden they start praying and all of a sudden all of their prayers are like, you know, Elizabethan English. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Somehow God speaks King James English. Like, if I pray in in a King James English, which which is, you know, one of the funny things that um, is, you're familiar with Mormonism, and one of the things that always gets me with that is uh, Sandra Tanner had an article, I think Gerald put out, where they looked at all of the way that these and thous are used in the Book of Mormon, and they realize that the only places that the these and thous are actually used properly are when is, it's quoting, plagiarizing the King James. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like, so, I mean, people don't even realize there's a, a time to say thee and a time to say thou. And obviously Joseph yes. Smith didn't know that. It's in the his and ins- thou are singular, ye is plural. Yeah, there's a, a, there's a whole system. Joseph Smith was too far removed from Elizabethan English to know. <laughs> so so what, what are you working on right now, if you can share? Uh, what are you researching? Um... I've been writing articles on a, on a variety of things, but I, what I'm settling into at the, at the moment for a long-term research project is to, uh, um, to write on Armstrongism, the Herbert W. Armstrong, the false prophet of the 20th century, and uh, Worldwide Church of God um, split into a variety of fraction, factions that are out there. But it's a, a lot of a, a weird doctrine of God, but also a lot of... Uh, um, you have to keep the Old Testament feasts or you're not saved. You have to keep the Seventh-day Sabbath in their particular way or you're not saved. You have what's, to, what's their uh, particular way? Uh, meet, uh, you have to attend attend their meetings at one of their organizations uh, on the seventh day okay. of every Sabbath. Uh, okay. Or just saying, I rest on Saturday. No, sorry, no, that's no. not going to cut it. You've got you to be one of them on Saturday okay. or you're not saved. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so There's no other group that does things like that. No, not at all. No, actually, what one of my my intention is after writing on this, it would be um, involving much of the same research to then go on and discuss the uh, um, Hebrew Roots movement and uh, and the Torah Observance movement within evangelical Christianity and deal with that as well. That would actually be probably a great, better one I was going to say to do, but that'd be one to do because I get Mm -hmm. so many questions, uh, everyone, because of my Jewish background, I get so many questions on Hebrew roots. So many people that want to know about it, and um, so that's that's an important one. 
that there's really nothing out there really written on it. So I'd encourage you to do that. Um, so I know we're gonna have we're gonna have a bunch of people coming to our booths here. We're we're right next to each other. You're yep. stuck next to me all week <laughs> long, you poor thing, man. It is rough. <laughs> it is rough. Thanks for coming. Hey, it was a pleasure to be here. All right, so that was Luke Wayne, great brother in the Lord and great researcher over at Carmel. We were talking about Mormonism. And so just to let you guys know of a book that we have out on Mormonism that you can get at the Striving for Eternity store, check out this book that came out last year in 2018. Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org. Hey, Todd Friel, what would be a good book to get if I wanted to learn about Mormonism and some other religions? Can you tell me? Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons! Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdothebelieve.com. And I think that is a very good book to have. Maybe I'm a little bit biased there, but it was 14 years of research so that you don't have to. Studying from original sources, what I tried to do is not refute those religions, but actually tell you what they believe. Why? So that when you talk to a Mormon, you talk to a Muslim, you talk to someone that believes those beliefs, you can say this is what they believe, and they're going to respect you, not reject you out of hand because you'll be accurate in understanding what they believe. That's the thing. I run into many Muslims that tell me I believe in three gods. I No, and immediately I don't trust anything they're going to say about my religion. Why? Because they just misrepresented it. This next interview that we have is with Pastor Sean Hill. He's the pastor of a church plant and got to meet him. It was very interesting to talk with him because he was someone who went to atheism and then recognized that that wasn't true. And so I hope that you'll enjoy this interview with a former atheist turned pastor. All right, well, I'm here at G3 again. I'm with Pastor Sean Hill. He is from... Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Yeah, New, well, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and it's, I forgot the name of the church already, you just told me. A Discipleship Community Church. D- Discipleship yeah. Community Church. Now, here's the thing, folks, I, I asked him to come over and, and chat with us, because he comes from an interesting background, and he went from one background to being a pastor, and one of the folks in his church came over, shared with me his story, and I was like, oh, that's really cool, let's, let's get this recorded. So, what, what was your background? I was uh, I was an atheist before I became a Christian, and now I'm also a, now I'm a pastor. <laughs> so, what, how did that transformation occur? Um, so, yeah, my, uh, what what ended up happening was uh, I was uh, invited by a church member, uh, a lady from a church, and uh, she just kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me to come, and uh, I ended up saying yes. Yeah, she was a girl my age, and uh, so I finally went, and my 
now fellow pastor, uh, Pastor Craig Cole, he uh, was preaching expositional Bible preaching and teaching straight from the Bible. And it was the first time I actually understood what was going on with the Bible. Like, I didn't know what John and Mark and Luke and all those <laughs> names were at the top of the Bible. I was like, what's Philemon? Yeah, things like that. So, um, so did you have, like, I had, cause the first time I got the, the book of Job. <laughs> Like what? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was stuff like that, like Genesis. Like, <laughs> I always just heard weird things about the Bible. Uh, grew up with it in a family of. Uh, uh, my mom is a ACG Catholic, Easter Christmas guilt, uh, say, and then my uh, my dad is a kind of go with the flow kind of religion guy. You know, just hey, if you want to believe in Buddha, believe in Buddha. If you want to believe in Allah, believe in Allah. Whatever, just uh, religions, <clears throat> however you want it, and. Uh, I just uh, became an atheist because uh, um, I got into the worldview and thought, wow, there's a lot of injustice in the world and things like that. So I said, I'm going to be an atheist. But when I became a Christian, that that transition was from hearing the Word of God uh, being taught expositionally to where I learned how to read the Bible. And that's what, what impacted my faith the most was... Uh, learning how to read the Bible and reading um, uh, the starting off with Matthew, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and this went straight through, and I just got pierced to the soul um, reading uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what, what hit me the most was when I read, um, uh, if you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery. And uh, what, what really did it for me was... Um, uh, <coughs> that because I, I was just it just got out of a relationship with a girl that I had sexual intercourse with before marriage and, and I knew according to the Bible that was probably not the best thing <laughs> um, but Jesus when Jesus spoke with authority that's what really hit me <laughs> um, yeah and I think I think you hit on a key thing that a lot of people don't understand you said when you teach the Bible and learn it expositionally you, you actually learn it and that's when it speaks yeah. So many of these pastors nowadays, they don't want to do that. They think, oh, I have to be entertaining. I have to make it so people are excited to be here. The Bible's exciting enough if you preach it properly. Yeah, I. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my parents did send me to a, a Sunday school. And I remember being a kid, and I, my buddy and I were a little bit rebellious. But I would say for the right reasons, we, we wanted to be with the adults. We didn't want... <laughs> We wanted to be in the big boy church, you know, we would say. So we snuck out, we went to the big boy church, and every time I heard a sermon there, I was like, where are they even talking about? Can somebody just, just teach me how to read this thing? <laughs> you know, th- those are my thoughts, but I always just thought the Bible's for adults, you know, and, and that, that was probably uh, one of the things that kind of led me to being an atheist was no one ever sat down and read the Bible with me because uh, my father, he, he uh, was unable to read, so... He couldn't read it to me. My mom was Catholic, so he was taught not to read the Bible. So, just a lot of uh, a lot of mess there. <laughs> so, Sean, when you when you started trying to believe in, in atheism, what do you think was the strongest argument that you thought that convinced you that atheism was right? Well, um, what what stuck with me was uh, was the you know, problem with the problem of evil would probably be the philosophical. Uh, definition for me at the time it was just my my grandfather passed away. Um, he, I, I wear his his ring. His ring is going to be my wedding ring. Um, but he uh, when he passed away, it was like I lost my best friend. And um, yeah, so one of my 
friends, she said, you know, about atheism and that, you know, if there if God did exist, why would why would he allow bad things to happen? And and I thought about that and I said, you know, that's that's probably true and um when a series of other unfortunate events took place in my life, my grandmother passed away, um, I started looking into atheism and ended up finding teachers that I, I loved. <laughs> Where did you find those teachers? Um, going on the internet. The internet. Uh, I, I looked up, uh, uh, I just looked up There Is No God, and instantly um, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, uh, Christopher Hitchens came up. Um, I'm still actually sad that, that Christopher Hitchens passed away, even though he's not a believer. But, um, but yeah, well, he is. He is now. He is. He, now. Oh yeah, he, he believes God exists now for sure. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, he knows yeah. without a doubt. Unfortunately. Uh, yes. Um, but, but you know, you bring up because that's typically the number one issue people think that the problem of evil. Yes. And yet, when you think about it. How could there be evil without God? And this is the question I always ask when people say, well, what do you do with evil in the world? Mm-hmm. What do you mean, what do I do with it? I mean, yeah. if, if they believe that we're in a purely material world, there is no God, yeah. how do you account for evil in that world, thinking? Because you can't account for anything immaterial. You can't account for morality. It's just subjective. Yeah. And that, that was one of the hardest things for me, which led me to, to depression and, and even suicidal thoughts, was... Uh, come across atheism it felt empowering at first like you can create your own destiny uh, you know uh, Richard Dawkins said uh, you know why worry about God he doesn't exist anyway you know and, and I would I would think about that and I was like okay yeah at first it was good but then I, I read stuff from Richard Dawkins like uh, there's no good there's no evil there's nothing but pitiless indifference <laughs> um, yeah, and the thing is that they're trying to get around the fact that they're accountable to God. Oh, yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Oh, if you pretend like evil doesn't exist, then we're not accountable. Yeah. And yet the, the problem of evil is not a problem for the Christian. It's a problem for the atheist. Yes. Because they can't account for it, but they know it exists. So when they say, well, when they say evil exists, right there they got a problem. And I had a guy in New York who once, he thought it was going to be a tough question for me. He's like, he kept shouting, there is no God because there's evil in the world. And uh, I said, well, you tell me, how can you have evil without God? Yeah. And he suddenly, it was like, he didn't, he didn't, no. He says, well, you tell me what evil is. I said, I didn't say it exists. You did. How can you have evil without God? And he, he's like, well, you tell me. And so well, he says, what is evil? I said, well, evil's the absence of good. Good is defined by the nature of God. How can you have evil without God? And he realized, well, I got a problem. And he left. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know. He was one of my regular hecklers, so I see him every week. But but the thing is, is that evil's not a problem for the Christian. It really is a problem for the for the unbeliever. Yeah, um, I like it what Frank Turek says about it. He says, uh, you know, the atheists have to sit on God's lap to slap him in the face, essentially. And yeah. So it it was that kind of worldview that just just led me into depression. Like I actually ended up into nihilism and and, uh, and just felt like the yeah, well, how can I be mad at the guys who bully me in school when that's what makes them happy? Uh, like uh, one guy, oh, wow. I, I, you know, which is what led me into atheistic thought was, you know, he was a he was a Catholic guy, and uh, yeah, he did like the Ash Wednesday, I'm giving up chocolate for a week kind of thing, and I just, you know, I had an idea that yeah, they're religious people, they're Christian people, and uh, when I needed the most grace. Um, 
uh, when my grandfather passed away, uh, he uh, told me your grandfather died to get away from you. Wow. And uh, so I had a not so uh, fun view of religious people. Yeah. Had a not so fun view of. And, and that's sometimes people say some really bad things. Oh yeah. <laughs> And, but, you know, like you're saying, God could use that. Oh, even yeah. even if it pulls you away for a while, he, he brings you to himself in the oh. end. That's, that's good. Oh, I have I have no qualms anymore with what, what God has put me through yeah. um, anymore because yeah. I've experienced uh, every year we had a family member pass away. Uh, my father, he, he ended up disability because he had, had heart issues and things like that. And um, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, a lot of cancer in my family. Um, and even myself, like, experiencing death so much, as somebody who was depressed, it it, it just made me, made me feel more like life was pointless. And uh, so that that's the... That's why I'm thankful I came to Christ to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I thank you for coming out here. Are you enjoying G3? Oh, yes. Uh, um, absolutely. I I enjoy it so much. It's, it's awesome to see some of my heroes... Uh, preaching and teaching the word of god and to to meet uh fellow like evangelists uh, and it's it's amazing to me um do you mind if i say one more thing yeah. if that's yeah, okay go for it. about just my own conversion experience yeah um I, I solely give my conversion experience solely to the sovereignty of god to um to bring me to salvation because Apart from him taking me, doing a work in me, introducing me to the Word of God, introducing me to, to, to like the case for Christ and, and Christian apologetics and introducing me to just reading the Word of God for what it is, I wouldn't be saved today. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, many atheists, if, if they listen to your, your stuff, they just need to know. They really actually need to study what the Word of God says before making a judgment call. (laughs) Yeah, and that's, you know, it's a good point because I don't know how many people on the street, I want to get a t-shirt that says, come debate with me for hours about a book you never read. Yes. Because that's really what it is. Uh, I I mean, I'll ask them, they're like, oh, Bible's full of contradictions. Give me one. And they're like, there's so many of them. Then it should be easy to give me one. And the reality is they can't give me one because they've never read it. Yeah. They've only read what people said about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not good science. I mean, yeah. for these guys who try to say they believe about science, right? Yeah, and I, I read the uh, Skeptic's Annotated Bible. I have one that I actually use for Bible study to keep myself sharp. <laughs> and uh, So you know what the answer, what the challenges are going to be. Yeah, so I know what the challenges are going to be. And, um, you know, and, and never in, in talking with an atheist have they brought up one of these contradictions. And if they do... There's usually an easy answer. That's know, what and, I find. I, you know, some of you are afraid to speak to atheists, and I usually find it's really easy because they don't. I, I hate to say it this way, but a lot of times they don't ask really good questions. They're usually logical fallacies, mm-hmm. and but they sound really good, and because everyone's saying it, they think it's right. Yeah, and and for me, like atheist, like other atheists are easy to talk to because I've I've been in the mindset, but. Where, where you need to look look at is just seeing them as people, you know, because, yeah, you know, there's there's always that behind the argument that the reason they bring up the problem of evil is probably because they had something bad happen to them in their life and um, and things like that, or or if many times they're bringing up the intellectual arguments. Just to be honest, it's it's mostly out of pride. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and that's where I was. It was mostly pride when I brought up the intellectual stuff. But when it came to, like, the emotional problem of evil, it was, it was yeah, out of that. <laughs> well, Sean, thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I 
I'm blessed by it. <laughs> All right. All right, so that was Pastor Sean, and that is a wrap on the Rap Report. Next week, we'll wrap up with a couple of interviews we have with, well, two great brothers that I consider friends, Fred Butler and Kofi. And so they were there, and we, we had talked with both of them. So that'll be next week on the Rap Report. That'll wrap up our interviews that we took from G3. But I got some really great interviews coming up. If you listen to Wretched, you've already heard that Todd Friol is going to be coming on. And so we're looking forward to that. We're going to talk about discernment and knowing where to draw the line. So look forward to that on the Rap Report. Remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.